DGN GM friends, you are now listening to the DGN Aussie Apes, bringing you another weekly session on all things crypto and NFTs. Let's go. It's the money. GM GM. Rowdy, GM, it's clouded, the fucking money, the all right. <laughs> How are you, man? It's been a while. It's been a while. We're back. Back up in Sydney. Uh, you've uh, brought the weather with you, I see, as well. So thank oh, you very I, much. Yeah, you didn't I, rug us on the weather dude, and bring r- us r- Melbourne's weather. <laughs> rug, mate, rugged ourselves on the weather in Melbourne, man. It's horrible. Man, Melbourne's tough, bro. I just remember when I used to fly down for work and getting out of the airport in winter. It's just like this massive wind tunnel. <laughs> it's freezing. It's cold. But a lot of culture, a lot of class and the uh, town of James Rowdy. <laughs> thanks That's for coming it. in bro thanks man thanks for having me well man it's been a while uh even for clouded yeah. my man over there bro it's gm gm kings last minute edition to the yeah fuck <laughs> <Fuck> it <laughs> well, man it's uh we're starving for guests so we well to. you were one of the first uh both clouded and yourself were one of the first guests on the uh dj aussie apes podcast yeah i'm usually first mm, yeah man you led the uh <laughs> led the charge and last time, man, it was a big room. We had uh, Not Essential in the room. We had uh, basically NFT APAC yeah. team in yeah. the house. Yeah, the last time. It was good <laughs> fun last time. It was good fun last and have time. You, have you felt it's changed a bit in regards to community? I mean, when we all first met, I feel there was a lot of, uh, like, we've all stayed pretty tight, but there was a lot of collabing going on and, you know, Web3 was changing the world and, you know, this bear's gone on a while now. Do you feel, bro, do you feel the community's changed? It's been, dude, it's been so interesting, right? Like, let's uh, reflect and then let's look at where we all were there, where the market was, who was in the Australian ecosystem. And then we look now and go, you know, a whole bunch of new people in the, you know, a whole bunch of people have left, a bunch of people have given up. It's kind of weird because there's a lot of emotions in the space now. Uh, Like back then, you know, we reflect, it was, it was awesome. You know, we're all mm. like wag me, and yeah, yeah. Like, wag bow, the wag bow. Oh, like, shit. you know, we were all really bullish, right? And it was very positive. And I feel like this space has definitely shifted. You know, there's, I feel like there's a lot more, you know, negativity in the space now. And this is all based on emo- emotions, right? Mm. Because humans are emotional creatures. They invested a lot of money. People, a lot of people invested their hard-earned money into, you know, a lot of these, you know, well, Web three essentially, right? You know, NFTs and crypto assets. And then now, obviously, we're all, you know, quote unquote, down bad, (laughs) you know. So it's been really interesting to see how this market has matured, not just in Australia, but, you know, the the APAC, Mm. uh, what was it, about a month ago in New Zealand. And we were expecting so much more people, you know, like our first event was 120. And I think this one we did about 86 or something around there. So a lot less than what we had envisioned the sentiment on Twitter, everyone's like, yo, when's the next mm. event? And then go over there and we're like, oh, this market has decreased. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough out there for everyone, right? Tough times, man. It's, it's how the cycle goes, you know? It's always the, it's the roughest after 12 months after a bull. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree because it just, it just seems so long and there's no sort of light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, we see little things pop off here and there, the meta changes, especially in where I play in the memes, you know, it's always just some coins dropping some metas here but yeah i've seen a lot of people get disheartened a lot of people going heavy into this market a lot of australian projects at the moment just seem to sort of fall off Mm. which um i think it's a bit disappointing for the scene because i feel that does sort of set us back um a little bit because you know just sort of 
scares people off. It's um, yeah, it's been crazy. It's uh, it's tough. Yeah, it's real tough out there, and it, it is kind of disheartening, especially in the Australian ecosystem, when you've got you know projects that have done really well in the bull and, and really successful projects, and then they're kind of like at this point where it's a bit stale now, and they're like, what what else do we do? Mm. You know, we've tried all these things, uh, and you know, it's just it's not really going to plan, right? But I mean, that, I guess that's the part of it it's just like you've got to look at the bigger picture i mean i said this from day one i was like the biggest opportunity is leveraging this technology to solve real world problems mm. you know brick and mortar businesses leveraging you know nft technology blockchain whatever and implementing those into businesses and then you know being able to pivot those businesses and make those enhance those experiences or services or products or whatever they are, I guess, yeah, better. Yeah, I feel like, you know, especially with the NFTs, a lot of them are just PFP projects. So it's kind of, it's stale now. And they're like, okay, well, what do we do now? And and there hasn't been too much innovation. Yeah, I think um, it had gotten a bit stale. I think that, and we were talking about it the other day, me and Wasi, open editions to a certain extent gave a little bit of a revival to the market, things like, you know, checks by Jack Butcher and stuff like that. I'm, I'm reasonably bullish on open editions from an aspect of adoption, um, having things like Manifold come in where someone, you know, even with the new ERC4337 protocol where they can pay for the mints and then you can just download a MetaMask and participate. I'm bullish on, like, I'm long on this. I'm long on the technology do you think when it comes from a business coming into Web3, you can't forget that Web2 side, we're not there yet, don't go solely into the Web3? Should there be an even mix that businesses are looking at? You know, maybe a NFT that's, you know, a 300-piece edition that's a genesis for a label or something like that, providing utility. You know, I know you've consulted uh, for a lot of different companies for Web3 and things like that as clouded as well. Do you think businesses aren't understanding What's going on here in Web3? I feel like, you know, when we use these Web2 apps, especially social media and stuff like that, it's just frictionless mm. and it's fun. Where with the Web3 stuff, there's still a lot of touch points when using a wallet or wh- whatever the technology is, right? Now, like, there's a lot of cool innovation, you know, ZKVM, ZK Roller, ZK Proofs, you know, all this stuff is happening. We understand it, but what does that mean for the average mm. user? Like, the, the people that are going, okay, but all these crazy acronyms and terms that they just don't understand. Well, so one thing that we're working on at Army of Fortune, where I'm at currently, is using Web3, but predominantly for the back end, and then just having a really easy frictionless Web2 front end, and just making it a lot like not using these terms, you know, NFTs. Like, yes, to our Web3 audience, they understand it and they get it, but it's just making it less frictionless as possible. I think I, I love the ERC4337. I've been bullish on this for a while now, and I think that's really, really cool. That's going to change the whole game, right? Especially in terms of like, I forget my key, my seed phrase, oh, whatever. That's crazy. And yeah, then yeah. I can go. Nominations. I, yeah, exactly. I can come to you and be like, hey, Shaheen, I need, I forgot my key. Are you sign the transaction? I sign it. And then I get my seed phrase. You don't get a look at it, mm. but I get my keys back and I get to access those wallets. It's so just more aspects for me why I'm so bullish on Ethereum, man. <laughs> like in 2021 yeah. when this was being discussed, you know, uh, that shows the longevity. It shows the foresight of these guys behind the scene. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, when it to your initial question, I think there's two sides of this. I do think the more successful projects in what we like to call the bear market, the downtimes, 
likely are going to be the ones that actually focus on the current participants in the space. Uh, and you see that kind of with the open editions, like it is very relevant to the people that are still here on Twitter and like uh, aware of what's popping in the space and whatnot and, and the, the liquidity that's still here. If you innovate and build a small enough narrative around uh, something new that the, the current liquidity and attention can go to, I think you would succeed in, in, this, in these times. But ultimately, I agree, um, you know, th it's, it's always about innovating on those larger narratives. I think Rowdy hit it with uh, 4336, which is, um, you know, people that are native to ETH have been talking about this for a while. And we actually keep saying that it was going to come sooner than people expect. There's a wallet called Argent Wallet, which was doing smart contract, which is a smart contract wallet. And it was doing very similar things for some time now, implementing the tech that, you know, 4336 has fully fleshed out um, and, and put out there uh, on mainnet. And uh, these UI improvements are what are going to improve that friction that, that Rowdy was speaking about uh, for, I guess, mass adoption, as we like to say, on, on L2s, right? But uh, definitely in, in, the, in the current times, I think if you want to be successful, you're probably in the short term, you're probably better building towards the current liquidity and attention in the market. If you just want to like, you know, bootstrap something out of here, um, focusing on your core community that's still here is, it could be very lucrative. And just quickly on that, right? That Argent wallet, and you know, it doesn't get enough credit, plus all these other wallets. We are, we are not being uh, paid to- uh, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, shield at the moment, guys. It, it's so true. Like, you know, even like Zengo, um, Argent, Edge, like these guys are way ahead, like compared to MetaMask and these other wallets. And everyone's just so stuck in the like, I use MetaMask, MetaMask, mm -hmm. and like, yes, it's the mainstream wallet that, you know, most people, but you can still use like, I mean, I love Rainbow. Uh, I use Rainbow a lot, but all these other wallets are like got great tech behind them, you know? So it was just like, a lot of people don't know that though, mm. you know? And they go, oh yeah, like that's just another wallet because there's just so many of them. I find actually, um people that are in the space and are quite well versed with how ETH works and just the, the tech in general, MetaMask is fine, right? Like there's like, it does everything you need. It's actually yeah. quite simple and streamlined and lightweight. The UI on mobile is terrible, but I'm from a desktop point it's of view, fine. MetaMask is perfect, yeah. right? So that's, I think the fact that the current participants are so okay with MetaMask on desktop, right? They don't venture out to look into the newer solutions that actually maybe new entrants would need that UI that they're being built for. So there's a lack of communication in terms of onboarding where we're okay with the current UX, but when we want to communicate for onboarding, we fail to acknowledge the newer tools that are being built for those newer participants. So there's also that that's going on, but ultimately it will fix itself. Yeah, I think in time, uh, all this stuff, it needs to. It does take that little bit of technical expertise. You know, I think people struggle really just to hold a seed phrase on a piece of paper. I heard one person ripping it up into four different pieces and everything's <laughs> in a different spot now. Can't find, I think, four BTC gone just like that. Like, oh it, uh, you know, humans are inherently lazy at times. But this is what I think people don't see is how much the space is innovating, how far we're moving forward, the technologies. I mean, do you guys feel, you know, I'm on Twitter a lot. I know we've got a Twitter king sitting right here, <laughs> Rowdy himself as well. Is it just too much information? Is that the issue? Is it an overload of information? Dude, I, I, I agree. Yeah, I think it's definitely an overload of information. I mean, I find myself some days on Twitter and it's just that overstimulation, that dopamine rush. Like if news breaks, we're like, whoa, and then we go down the rabbit hole, everyone's tweeting about it, threads come out, 
you're you know invested in Twitter Spaces and this and, that, and you're just like it's just a it's a very draining exercise, right? Because tech is moving so incredibly oh gosh, fast, like yeah. we it's, just can't keep up. I call it um, mouse click liquidity. <laughs> like these days, you know, markets move on a mouse click because mm. information leaks, it hits Twitter, and instantly everyone with a mouse click moves tons of liquidity. Like in context, like if it's if it's a stock uh, price uh, information. You could tank like an entire stock just from a Twitter space. Like it's unbe- yeah. Isn't yeah. it unbelievable? And and like this was all born from like, you know, the, the um, GameStop days, right? Yeah. Mm. That's where it all, like if we reflect back to that and how these, you know, kids essentially, because the majority of people were under like 35, so very young audience, they've gone and betted against a huge head fund. Showing your age there, Rowdy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Huge hedge fund and one, and then people are like, yo, what else can we do? You know, it's power to the people, but it's dangerous at the same time. I love that. I, I think that's so true. And on the money, you know, that mouse click liquidity because market billions and billions of dollars shift in minutes, seconds, purely from, you know, whatever happens in Twitter. Twitter's the town square, right? We all know that the news breaks on Twitter and then these mainstream go and create these stories off what happens at the town square, aka Twitter. Definitely. Yeah, it's crazy. Do you guys feel that, I mean, we're degens, but regulation is needed over time because these tools should not be in the hands of the everyday person? Definitely, we definitely need regulation, but I think in, in the same um, statement, like what is the regulation? Because mm. everyone's still trying to figure that out, right? Yeah, it's, 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 it's the wild, wild west at the moment. It's the wild, wild west, man. We've all been like, you know, after in the bear market, we've all been labelled... You know, scams. Criminals. Criminals. Yeah. <laughs> Rugged balls. Yeah. You know, all these things, right? And then especially from mainstream media. But it's like, you know, the true OGs in the space and, you know, the people, you know, who are in the bear market building and, and surviving, uh, we understand it. Um, and we understand what's, what's needed. However, you know, a lot of our voices are overshadowed by large corporates and governments and, you know, the SEC. And mm. <laughs> well, it just moves so fast, doesn't it? Yeah, the technology well, exactly. we're dealing with. I mean, and we're just starting now to venture into the AI space and I really want to get your thoughts. I mean, I know you're pretty deep rowdy on in the AI. Get your thoughts on what you think about chat GBT, are jobs going? There's a lot of people that are scared out there. Yeah, yeah. I started going down that rabbit hole with the AI thing, like when the trend came along and then started a newsletter, um, just sharing thoughts about, you know, AI and, and um, there's some really revolutionary tools. Like now is the... Two years ago, it was a great time to be a human being. Now it is like the best time to be a human being. And I'm just hearing like, seeing all these people turn nothing, like especially ChatGPT, right? Let's take that for an example. Attorney ChatGPT, I mean, there's been a couple of people on there who have gone, hey, ChatGPT, I've got $100, write me a step-by-step business plan, how to turn this $100 and make a business out of this. And then these people, it's like telling them step-by-step what to do with that $100, go buy a domain, Go use affiliate marketing, follow these steps. Then this person is sharing this information on Twitter, going viral. They turned a hundred dollar business into a twenty-five grand business. I think it was roughly in about maybe a couple of days, maybe a week. And that's like crazy, right? Now, all these other tools, like been going down a rabbit hole. I've got this list of eleven hundred AI tools. I've just been going through them and trying a whole bunch of things and then just sharing writing about them in my newsletter. But I think it's really cool because you can go in here, like in here, and some of these tools are wild. Like there's video dot 
AI. So I uploaded a clip uh, of the podcast that we done like uh, at NFT Fest, NFT Mel, and it was an hour long. I put it in there and I think it was in a few minutes I had 48 reels, clips done. You know, you would pay an editor, well, depending on the editor, uh, you know, a good chunk of money. And so time consuming, it might take you a week, you know, a few days, whatever it may be uh, to get that back. So I think that's, it's crazy, right? Like these are some of the things that it's replacing. And I think at the same time, it's kind of giving birth to that solopreneur. You know, you've got all these entrepreneurs who create these amazing businesses and, and that's great. And look, okay, yeah, like humans play a crucial role in those businesses in order to do, uh, to do you know, for the business to, I guess, you know, overall operate, uh, it needs key functions, which, you know, us humans play a crucial role in. But now getting AI to start to automate some of that. And yes, we still need input from humans. Mm. But then you can be really smart about it, right? And then leverage AI along with all these other tools like Zapier, like people are making some crazy zaps right now, you know? So it's like, okay, cool, I get an email. Yep, ChatGPT goes into there, ChatGPT comes up with the response, replies to that email, you know, and it's just, it's wild, right? So it, it's, it's, yeah, it's mind blowing what you can do. I think one thing that I've, you know, been pretty loud on is like, you know, there's this whole like narrative of people saying that, um, you know, uh, uh, AI won't replace humans, but uh, AI, uh, but humans who leverage AI will replace humans or, or something along those lines. Anyways, it's a dangerous narrative, right? Mm. AI is like extremely moving, extremely fast. You know, now recently we've had people saying, you know, even Elon Musk and a few other like, you know, experts in Steve the Steve Wozniak and yeah. a few other big names. Almost slow it down. Yeah, slow, slow it down, down and the whole development for yeah. six months. Realistically, it's not possible. Um, yeah. Like, I mean, you could legally impose things to stop releases, but I don't think anything is ever going to stop like well, back, backdoor development. Yeah, it's it, once it's out there, it's out there, right? Um, I I have mixed feelings about AI. I think that it would be really good for twenty percent of the population and really bad for eighty percent kind of thing. That's like my initial thoughts. Mm. Um, you know, but we got to see where it is. I. I think ultimately it's uh, it's funny because I always say like everyone is so strung up on crypto. Oh, we need to regulate crypto. Like crypto is dangerous, you know, what up, what up. But like AI is this thing that like everyone's just like blindly, let's like go the whole way, you know, oh, keep going, keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No questions asked, right? Yeah. Yeah. Chat GPT 4, 5, <coughs> 6, 9, whatever, right? But, you know, I think ultimately AI poses so many more different and probably uh, bigger threats to society that people don't perceive mm. um, than something like cryptocurrency. That's my feelings. Like, do you guys feel we've sort of opened Pandora's box? 100%. Yeah, it's out there. I mean, if we have these tools, you also got to think what military and governments already have, right? Like, this is just something that's hit retail. You know, internet hit retail after go- governments and military already had, like, insane communication systems like internet, right? So you got to think, like, there's already so much more powerful AI out there, especially I heard a, a concept where even the bigger companies like Google and whatnot, they have better systems than ChatGPT. But the, what they have is they have risk because ChatGPT is not that great. Like it actually gives out a lot of false information, wrong information, and it's it's, it's not perfect by any means. But OpenAI as a company is a growing company. It needs to raise its vows. It needs to get in there. It needs to be aggressive. So they, ha- they don't have much to lose in terms of reputation. But if Google puts out a tool 
And you know, Google has a very high reputation as a search engine and like source of information. And if it's putting out a tool that's not perfect, it could hinder itself, right? So I think there's also bigger companies that have stronger um, tools right now that are still playing it safe by keeping them, you know, locked away for now and not putting it out to retail because of the negative impacts it could have on a business, a trillion dollar business versus a, a $10 billion business that's growing, you know, two different, completely different perspectives. And to your point about regulation, man, on crypto, yeah, regulation is needed, but I don't see any of the regulation that's coming out now as benefiting any individuals in this space or users in this mm. space. There is, a, there is a war going on, and if your eyes are open, you can see it with the way the SEC, the CFTC, the governments and the regulators are cracking down on crypto and its businesses and its exchanges and everything, and it's got nothing to do with protecting users. Right? Yeah, I'm off the agreements as well. Right. They're losing control. Yeah. Mm. And yeah. losing control is a scary thing. Yeah, so regulations that are truly allow for innovation and protection of users, like actual protection of users, I'm, I would be all for, but I haven't actually seen anything that even comes close to that. Uh, I only see things that hinder our industry and in fact, probably protect users from the things that they shouldn't be protecting them from, like wealth. Stop protecting me from making money, bro. You no, know? That's, crazy. <laughs> that's the thing, right? You get penalized, like especially here in Australia, crazy amount. Yeah. You know, they don't want you to, to get ahead, right? It's, it's, it's crazy. It's oh, we've seen it in the Web2 world, you know, people try to get a second job. The amount of tax that they're paying, they work it out. It's like sometimes it's better to be on the dole than to, you know, have a job or even what we saw with COVID come through and people just taking JobKeeper and just, you know, I'm getting paid more to stay at home and now they're scratching their heads as to why we're in this economic situation. But put all that stuff aside, I mean this AI, our blockchain technology. I mean, we're also, I know we're also bullish on it um, because we have seen that it can change, li change lives. But one thing I wanted to talk about was the gaming side because gaming was so huge at a stage. I mean, Sandbox, what was it? All-time high, $7. We saw things going crazy and now it's just sort of dropped off. But Rowdy, I mean, you're the chief marketing officer at Gym. Army of Fortune. That's, that's a mobile game. It is a mobile game, yeah. Do you see that uh, when it comes to the blockchain technology and things, is mobile games the way to go to integrate more people? I mean, you're throwing some stats off before that mo mobile games is one of the highest played types of games. Is that a way that can revive the gaming market and coming back into NFTs and utilizing blockchain technology? Yeah, I believe so. I look, I, I knew the gaming industry was big. You heard all these things about like gaming is bigger than TV and, and you know film uh, and the music industry combined. When you're actually in the space and you, you see some of these statistics, it is fucking mind blowing, right? So I guess a bit of context for the audience, uh, working with, you know, some of the founding members of Supercell, responsible for games like Clash of Clans, Clash Royale and Heyday. So these guys are like OGs. Their games have amassed over a billion plus downloads, which is insane right they saw the axie thing take off and then they were like okay here's an opportunity let's see how this plays out and they left supercell and started building out army of fortune and when i was you know i came and joined them in november and you know been working with them ever since but it, it, it's crazy so i bet i guess the best way to explain it is you know everyone plays pc everyone plays console but mobile phones are an extension of us right wherever we go that phone's coming with us you know a lot of people commute public transport a lot of people are playing games you know it's especially like excuse me in japan and, and china and stuff like this 
it is very, very competitive. Some of the games that they're playing, you know, it, it's huge. So like mobile gaming alone is projected to do 136 billion this year, which cool. is insane, right? So let's put that into perspective. Australia's biggest economic driver is the construction industry in Australia that does 63 billion a year. So it's twice as big as that. So th bigger than some like countries' economies. Like it, it's fucking a lot of it's money, ridiculous. right? It's insane. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's wild. So uh, what is it? 3.2 billion users currently. Uh, it's projected to do 5.2 billion users in two years. Coupled with blockchain technology, uh, there is a lot of benefits to that. At the moment, in terms of the tokenomic side, I feel like no one's really gotten that right yet. It's, it's really gray area. And that's one thing that we're still trying to figure out, to be completely honest, uh, and just speaking with the right people and experts in the space and, and trying to understand more about that and how we can build these sustainable ecosystems and models that are beneficial for, one, the players in the community, but two, for us and a gaming <laughs> ecosystem mm. as well. But it's crazy. It's been going really, really well. I mean... We've just been sort of the marketing approach has been a bit different, but then, you know, normal marketing, but it's, it's really fun. It's really cool. What's happening. Uh, we've obviously seen, heard the big news recently with, you know, Polygon merging with immutable. Uh, and that is insane. So we were, or we are building on a Polygon and we were tossing up between the two because immutable is really good. Polygon's really good too. Polygon's, you know, they are doing wonders right now. So for us, it made a lot of sense just to go with them. Now, these two conglomerates. It's perfect. The stars aligned. You can have your own ZK EVM, mm -hmm. essentially, uh, which is insane for each for each game. So it's it, it's your own ecosystem, like, and it's just insane, like the technology that 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 it, that is available now. So now we're reconsidering, like, okay, cool. Well, we're in discussions with them. Okay, cool. We want to be one of the first mobile games to launch on that partnership because that's just obviously going to be beneficial for everyone. Um, so yeah, it's really cool and really exciting, man. It's, it's insanely, insanely big. So we all saw, you know, if everyone's paying attention to the market and going, okay, it's a bear market. Where's the money flowing? It's flowing into gaming. Like you can, you can follow all the data. Did you die? Gaiku raised 200 million, you know, and there's a bunch of other studios that have raised, you know, lots of money as well. Uh, we raised a really good chunk of money and uh yeah we've got a decent runway so it's uh it's it's exciting and we are just like trying a, a completely different approach uh in terms of like you know web3 quote-unquote marketing you know because the meta shifts so so often i know I've gone no, it's, a bit. no it's super interesting because i was actually going to ask that i mean there's so much competition how do you stand out from the rest you know what i mean especially in the market where attention is currency so you need that attention you need followers, you need all eyes. How are you guys managing all that? I mean, I don't want the secret sauce because uh, I know you work very hard and you've done wonders there, but what are sort of the things that you're approaching differently from the marketing point of view? So there's a few things, right? So when I came on board, we sort of like looked at everything and we're like, okay, cool, what's working, what's not working? And then done an, over an overall analysis of the market. It's really hard to compete on Twitter right and it's it's just so easy to get botted these days i mean clouded's you know, half of his followers are bots right so <laughs> <it's just> like <laughs> no but it's, it's really hard to get organic growth and when you've got a game guys that's not true i'm gonna talk to elon about that <laughs> but when you're building a game you might look great on social platforms, but our measurable metrics are DAU, daily active users, right? So a lot of these followers have to be organic. So I thought, okay, well, why, why do we have to start on Twitter? 
you know, it's an attention economy. Where is that attention? A majority of the attention is on YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, mm. right? And, you know, yes, we're building a, a Web3 mobile game, but yes, it still appeases to Web2 players. Web2 players can come play the game having no idea that it's a Web3 game, right? Having They'll learn along the way and there's a whole bunch of features and stuff like that. But going back to the marketing strategy, I thought, we, well, we thought, where's the attention? It's on those platforms. How do we get the, that attention? We're really good at building games. You know, our, the, our founders have done that for the past decade. So we thought, okay, cool. What makes the world go round? Memes. Everyone loves memes. Mm. So we thought, okay, let's try something completely different. So we started... We got our characters and we started building these TikTok accounts. We started doing these animations, leveraging memes, leveraging trends, and people just loving the aesthetic and, you know, watching these characters go through and do all these funny things. And, and we scaled it really, really quickly. So one of our biggest accounts is Frog Pikeman, who's got 1.5 million followers on TikTok. Uh, him, that account alone, I think, is amassed about... 223 million views across that account so we've also i think there's about 22 or 23 million likes on across all the videos i think our highest video had 22 million views alone um so it's wild and then we thought okay well that's worked really well and our team does an amazing job we've got a great team so we thought okay well one thing that gaming companies do they have the one account right and for us this isn't just like one game we're building games like we've got a decade-long vision so there's multiple games coming out. So we're in our AOF verse, which is like our, our metaverse of games, there's going to be different characters that you can play from one game into another game. So we thought, okay, well, let's keep building character accounts. We know the secret source that works, right? And let's keep, you know, building these out. So we started a new one, uh, which is our second character, Blick the Gobbler. And we scaled from him from zero to 400 and I think 40K. I just showed you before. And I think this is the third week. It's, it's crazy. And we've had 4.4 million likes. So it's really good, right? Because like in terms of like, you know, the DAU, a lot of them are still going to come from these Web2 platforms. So now we've done great on TikTok. Now we're focusing our short form video content on these other platforms. Uh, and then, you know, driving those to Twitter. And then we are doing a completely different strategy and approach in Twitter and Reddit to target that Web3 Web community. Building that social proof and grabbing that attention uh, in an attention economy, like you said, on these other platforms, I thought was key to driving that traffic into the game, right? So we're also doing it. And then these people are coming on. And the cool thing about this is every one of us is a different personality. Every one of our characters is a dis different personality as well. So different personalities relate to different personalities. So we thought, okay, cool. So this is going to capture more attention of different personalities out there and create more market share, right? And people are going to fall in love with these characters and their journey uh, along the way. So now the game, the, the, they're just, you know, you can go check these out and then you'll see our characters are just doing memes. Now they're going to be start playing in the game and then that's going to direct the users into the game. So we've got a web, we haven't rolled out a, a proper Twitter strategy yet. Uh, because we're just building up the social proof and then we want to take it to Twitter and then uh, we've got a campaign that we're launching very, very soon. But um, we've got uh, two games. So Army of Fortune is, is our flagship game, uh, which is, it's huge. It's a completely revolutionary new style of game that's never been played before. We also, we, we decided to push that back 
to the later half in the year. We actually already had a game built that we were going to use for like a bit of a tester. We decided to revamp that game. It's called Army of Tactics and we're launching a beta campaign uh, very, very shortly, uh, in April actually. And uh, we're going to market with that, right? And then people will get to play this game. And for us, you know, it's a bit of fun. We're humans, we're going to make mistakes. Like that's, that's it. I've seen a lot of people make mistakes. And I know it's really hard on Web3 because you can get penalized and it could be make or break for a project. But that's okay. We just thought, okay, look, we've got this game. Let's test it out. Let's get, you know, some really great beta testers, some really great gamers, get their feedback. We want the community a part of the journey, right? And it's all about collaboration and community at the end of the day in Web3. So we want those people up along with the journey. So we're like, cool, guys, tell us what you like, tell us what you don't like. And then let's do that and build that out. So that's going to be the first game. And then there will be a whole bunch of like other things in between those. I can't say too much, but there'll be, I've already said way too much, but <laughs> there's already, you know, there'll be games in between those that will lead into Army of Fortune. So it's really cool. It's really exciting. Our goal is in the next three months, we will scale from 2 million followers to 10 and then from 253 million views across their accounts to uh, 1 billion. Wow. Yeah. So one eighth of the planet will We'll know. We'll know. Yeah, yeah. They'll know what's going on. They'll know. On. So Yeah, I'm super impressed. I mean, um, I've been following what's been happening and just the numbers are, they're crazy. I'm scared. I'm scared because I know I'm going to download this and I know how much I'm going to play this. I know myself. Um, and guys, for everyone listening, I mean, we'll be putting up links and all that stuff. Check out the TikTok pages. Check, it, check all this out. It is super cool. It's revolutionary because... This day and age, we've I think we've all learned here, especially from the markets, the NFTs. I mean, that point of difference, being the first, doing things different, it's a huge advantage, I believe. Mm. Yeah, it's it's cool. It's it's a really fun journey. Um, you know, we're building um, a big team at the moment, uh, and just on a bit of a hiring spree, and we get some really cool people. Um, lots of young people coming to work, and lots of um, other cool people with great experience. That's uh, I guess just going to add to the overall, um, you know, experience of the game for for our players and our community. So yeah, it's, it's super exciting. I'd love to uh, get both your guys' predictions at the moment. I mean, for the next twelve months for this market. I mean, do you see much changes happening? What do you guys sort of feel that are we in this for another twelve? Uh, in terms of price, in terms of price action, in terms of just you know, especially in the NFT market, maybe movement, maybe you know, a lot of people might think that NFTs are dead. What's your thoughts? Um, so, my, my just basic thoughts, uh, obviously NFA, but basic thoughts on crypto as a whole. I I do think that for the first time in a very long time, Bitcoin is developing a purely monetary narrative again and it's really good to see for the convolution of many factors that's going on in the world you know the uh the collapsing of some banks and the the banking system being in some in some strain uh the usd being under a little bit of political threat um you know the unfortunate uh factor of wars looming and and whatnot i i actually think that this is kind of brewing into somewhat of a bullish narrative for bitcoin uh to kind of fulfill the monetary reason it was actually born out of um balaji said it really well i i don't necessarily think he expects to win his 90-day bet but i think that it was definitely made with the intention of shining light on this perspective and this narrative for for bitcoin a purely monetary one which is one of the strongest ones in my personal opinion for bitcoin so 
I think that there is a very good chance that this year we do see more bullishness in terms of Bitcoin itself than some people may perceive. I tend to think we may see like a 2019 type of price action throughout the year, continue running up from here and probably go a little bit higher than people perceive in the next or expect in the next couple months. Uh, but ultimately, I do see uh, I do see another bearish leg before we kind of move into 2024 towards the end of 2024 after the halving because the Bitcoin halving is in May in 2024, which people seem to forget too. But uh, I do think that we might have a kind of like a mini bull run and a mini bear market in the time before that. Uh, I personally, NFA, I don't see new lows, actually. I, I really think that, you know, some people like capitulation hasn't happened. I'm like, bro, we've had a $50 billion <laughs> DeFi protocol blow up. We've had one of the three largest exchanges completely go insolvent and one of the largest hedge fund in crypto completely go insolvent. Like, I don't understand where the capitulation has happened we're still here yeah mm. we're still here um yeah i think that majors will follow bitcoin like ethereum and and whatnot uh altcoins i don't know i'm not too bullish on i'm definitely more bullish on bitcoin dominance as a whole in the in the current environment that we're in eth of course is going to follow bitcoin dominance to a certain degree nfts <laughs> no i don't know <laughs> i think that nfts need a narrative honestly i think that there needs to be an innovative wave like there was previously and I do think it's gaming. I, I do genuinely think that Web3 gaming is what is going to bring NFTs back into the, the limelight. It's good to see Yuga doubling down, um, very game focused. I, uh, I'm quite bullish on other side as a whole and the way that they're bringing it out, you know, the, the development that they're, they're doing with it and, and whatnot. And uh, like Rowdy said, many other traditional Web2 gaming companies moving into the space. I do think Web3 gaming is shaping up to be the next massive narrative for, you, for the NFT market, uh, which may flow extra liquidity and participants in. And kind of, you know, if we do get a, a somewhat bullish ETH, they, uh, they, they may see some demand for the, the traditional PFP market um, to kind of fulfill that role of identity and Veblen goods. I think that comes with the success of ETH for the more successful PFP market, uh, like punks and, and apes specifically type of thing. Heavy. Heavy, guys. yeah. NFA, guys. I, NFA. I don't know shit about fuck. Listen yeah. to that a few times, believe me. Yeah. Rowdy, thoughts? Pretty much agree with Clout. I think there's way too many impending factors in terms of, you know, politics and war looming. And, and you know, now we've got these, these bank runs happening and all these, you know, banks folding currently. You know, that that is causing a huge shift. People like, we're safe to put our money now, like, you know? And then the government or the US government going and undoing all their hard work that they've done in terms of the recession, you know, with, you know, quantitative tightening. And, uh, you know, now printed, what was it, 800 billion? Yeah, like in the last two weeks alone, like 400 billion added to the Fed. Wow. Yeah, yeah, to backstop, to backstop some, some banks. It's, it's ironic where I, I really think the Fed is in a very reactive mode. Some people will disagree with that, but... It's like they, the Fed has to, you know, fight inflation and maintain market stability here. And they're co constantly bouncing between a rock and a hard place. They, they raise rates excessively, the hardest they have in over 50 years to fight inflation. They're, they do get ahead in the game and they do see some progress with that. But all of a sudden, raising those rates had this impact on the banks with all the banks. What they were doing was putting their deposits into T-bills, treasuries and whatnot. And then raising interest rates kind of, you know, took those treasuries that, that the banks were holding and sent them extremely down in value 
leaving the banks kind of insolvent to meet to meet a lot of uh, customer deposits and whatnot. And now the Fed is is reacting and likely, I mean, the markets at this stage are currently pricing in some easing in terms of that to to help with the treasury situation and, and gets banks solvent again. So they're constantly bouncing between fighting inflation and maintaining market stability and and obviously the banking system and whatnot. So it's a, it's a wild time that we're in. On top of that, the two other issues like with macro IC is basically um, the the USD itself having some of those political threats where you have China and, and Russia and, and some other nations kind of agreeing to do international trade not using the USD. Um, and on top of all of this, the, United, the, the issue no one's really talking about is the United States having the highest debt it's, it's ever had, well over 30 trillion now, and having to pay the insane interest rate that they're, they're currently pricing cash at, you know, their interest payments for the year are going to be in the one to two trillion dollars, which is unforeseen. It's like, what percentage of GDP of the country is that, you know, just in interest payments? And yeah, the macro is definitely, for lack of better words, kind of fucked. And I guess that's one of the main drivers for why a lot of people are looking to Bitcoin to kind of fulfill some sort of hedge, some sort. I don't see what type of hedge uh, it will play out to be, whether it's the black hole that will suck in all... The, uh, <laughs> the bad debt and everything and kind of go off or whether it's just a little bit of a safe haven type of hedge. Um, but I, I do think ultimately in the long term, maybe not in the immediate short term of events, but in the long term, everything that happens, unfortunately, whether it's banking collapses, whether it's Fed's uh, actions, whether it's unfortunate war is bullish for Bitcoin. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's my take. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, it's the money that you're holding in the bank is does not have the purchasing power that it used to. We're yeah. losing money just sitting cash in a bank. And it's all bullish towards decentralization, towards the Bitcoin narrative. I've said it here plenty of times, not financial advice. All I care about is ETH and Bitcoin. I don't really care about anything else. Uh, because there's just so much going on in the space. And guys, before we wrap it up, I want to just get your opinion real quick. A simple yes or no. I'm going to give you... Five NFTs, and I want to know, are they <laughs> going to make it or not? First one, Board Up Your Club. One word, going to make it yes. or not? Yes. Doodles. Yes. I'm going to say, fuck it. I'm going to say yes. Azuki. Yes. Yes. Pudgy Penguins. Yes. Uh, it's a hard one, but I'll say, I'll probably, say, if I have to say yes or no, I'll probably say yes. And the last one, Nakamigos. <laughs> oh, fuck, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, I don't know enough about that project. I'll back cloud on that one and say <laughs> no. The Nakamigos, man, not going to make it, not financial advice. Guys, there you have it. I mean, the Journals, the Apes, jamesrowdy.eth, clouded. We'll put up all the socials. Make sure you guys follow, like, subscribe, and we'll see you guys soon. Thanks, bro. Thanks, bro. That was all right.